0: The, when it comes to being raised by someone with narcissism, it's um, it really messes up with your mental health. I mean, being a narcissist, sh- it, the characteristics range from being manipulative, lack of empathy, very arrogant, very entitled. They're always right no matter what. And having someone with narcissist personality disorder, and being a mom, that almost gives them an extra level of being right all the time. So no matter how bad their child feels, it doesn't matter. They're not right.
1: This intro is provided by recording artist John Maxim. It's a clip from his new single, Blame. Follow him on Instagram, at John Music. I mess up, get dressed up, confess up, the worst of my feelings are very mischieving. I struggle to blame From the depths of darkness to the light of success, this podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Compass Nine Media. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Chris Swick Podcast. Chris Swick here from the podcast, from the depths of darkness to the light of success. Today, I got a great guest with me, Jen Galeno. She's the author of the book "Finding Happiness." If you could tell them a little bit about yourself, please, Jen.
0: Sure, so first of all, thank you so much for having me. I will be completely um, honest, this is my first podcast since releasing the book. The book has been out for about four weeks now. Um, I'm a mom of two, I've been happily married for about seven years, I work at a toy company um, full time and most recently have released my first book ever.
1: So what's your book about finding happiness?
0: Sure. So um, the book is actually, uh, it's about being raised by a mom who I believe had narcissistic personality disorder. Um, A lot of people aren't aware about what narcissistic personality disorder is, and um, I personally experienced it. And in my book, I talk a lot about my personal experiences going through it. Um, but the biggest thing my book discusses is, um, along as, as with narcissistic personality disorder, it also discusses how to heal from it, how to move on from it. But it also talks about the judgment associated with saying goodbye to your mom for your own mental
1: wellness. So did you say goodbye for good after you uh, you don't talk to her anymore? Or is she passed on now? or?
0: Uh, no, she's she's still she's still alive. I said goodbye to her six years ago. I actually said goodbye to her shortly after my daughter was born.
1: Okay, and you have not spoken a word to her since, eh? And as it was, would you say that's the probably the best thing you've done for yourself, and it helped with your mental health and everything like that? Like, were you going through some struggles, like up until that point?
0: Oh, absolutely. The, the, when it comes to being raised by someone with narcissism, it's um, it really messes up with your mental health. I mean, being a narcissist, it, it, the characteristics range from being manipulative, lack of empathy, very arrogant, very entitled, they're always right no matter what, and having someone with narcissist personality disorder, and being a mom, that almost gives them an extra level of being right all the time, so no matter how bad their child feels, it doesn't matter. They're not right.
1: Okay and were you an only child or did you have any other siblings?
0: No, I had a brother.
1: And was she the same to him as well?
0: Not as bad, not as bad. He also does not speak to my mother anymore.
1: So did he stop speaking to her when you came out about this is what mom has, you think? No?
0: No. So actually, I said goodbye to her before I even knew what narcissistic personality disorder was. So while I said goodbye to her six years ago, I came across a book in 2016 um, about it. And as I was reading the book, I was literally reading quotes that my mom used to say about me. And reading this book, it literally changed my life, which is why I knew I wanted to do something similar and try to help other people. And when I say quotes, I mean, one of the number one quotes my mom would say to me is Jenny only has friends because they don't know the real Jenny. I know the real Jenny and I put up with you because I'm your mother. This quote was literally in the book that I read and I'm sitting there going. So she
1: would belittle you, it seems like, just put you down a lot
0: it's It's very verbally abusive, um, the treatment, and it's almost like how how the dynamic works is that she always made it seem like she was there for me because the world was such a terrible place. But she would treat me badly because deep down, I was a bad person, if that makes sense. it's It's very complicated.
1: So what was your childhood like growing up then with your family? Did you have a f- father in the in the picture as well?
0: So yes, um, so my parents got divorced um, before I was born um, and then I had a stepdad enter my life around the age of five. When I was introduced to my to my real father, it wasn't until around the same timing and when I was introduced to my real father, um, he was introduced to me as a distant loser uncle. Yeah, I didn't know he was my real dad at the time. All I knew of him was, is that she hated him, that he would take me to McDonald's every Sunday. Um, and every Sunday she would just go on a rampage and be in the worst mood in the world. And she would almost make me feel like I'm betraying her for going yet. I was five and she made me go. The wrath was coming every Sunday, but I mean, being that young, you don't fully understand and being that young, all you want to do is please your mom. Um, so I would do whatever I could growing up. And as the years went by, what I could do was essentially so hate him as you well. began
1: to hate your father as well and resent him? And do you, to this day, talk to him or not?
0: I don't. I don't anymore. Um, it's it's a very complicated story that I talk about in the book. But uh, a couple of years later, I did find out he was my real dad. And when I found out he was my real dad, and uh, the context I'm about to share, it's from her mouth. I have no proof as to whether or not it did or didn't happen. Narcissists have a way of, stretching the truth to get you on their side. But she would tell me that when she was pregnant with me, she, he would, he tried to force her to get an abortion. He tried to beat me out of her. He made her life hell and she pushed through because she really wanted me. So um, that's how I was raised, still forced to see him. Um, And then when I was 16, she ended up kicking me out of the house to go live with him. So even further confusing the relationship dynamic. And so when I was 16 and I went to go live with him again, another long complicated story, but essentially his wife was not happy with having me there and he would travel a lot for work. So I would be stuck with her a lot of the time. Um, and
1: you two didn't get along really.
0: It, it wasn't so much that We didn't get along. She never really gave me a chance. Like the second, the second I walked in the door, I was greeted with 10 pages of rules. And I don't remember what all the rules were, but I do remember the last rule. It's one I'll never forget. And it was always remember this is not your house. Anything you use, you're borrowing. Anything we give you, you're borrowing. And at that time, all I had was a grocery bag full of my own clothes.
1: You had nothing really other than that. Yeah. And then this is your own father's partner at the time talking to you guys like this. This is, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: And so what ended up happening with that story is, uh, it was my 16th birthday and she put on a really good show when he was around. And so she threw me this beautiful birthday party and had decorations and cake. And, um, it was, it was so phony and it was so fake that afterwards I just, I said to myself, you know what, I can't live like this anymore. And so I finally confronted him on all those stories that my mom would share with me growing up about the abortion, about the physical abuse. And he didn't say anything. He just awkwardly, kind of stuttered, kept drinking his beer, and I ran away that night, and I never had a relationship with him after that.
1: Was Would you say around that time that that would be sort of your bottom from what was going on with the abuse from your mom and stuff like that? Or was it later on in life? I
0: had many bottoms. I was very self-destructive.
1: And what types of things would you do to be self-destructive?
0: I think so after that I was homeless many times. I never really felt like I had a home. That was probably my first time being homeless. But after that, I just, I never felt like I had a home. So I feel like I, I spent my twenties looking for a home and When I say looking for a home, I would go to all the wrong places and be with men who pretty much all they had was a home. But I was just I was just looking to create some sort of stability in my life and just got wrapped up in a lot of bad relationships.
1: Yeah. So, like, you're like going to the bars or stuff like that and finding the wrong men sort of thing a lot in the of wrong partying, places. Yes. A yeah. lot of
0: partying, being very irresponsible with my life. I just, I didn't, I didn't enjoy life and I didn't really have a lot of will to live. And when your mom makes you feel like you're a bad person, you, you start believing it and you just.
1: Yeah. It gets right into the psyche of yourself.
0: Yeah. And you just stop fighting for your life. You just, you, it, it almost gives you an, it, an excuse to not fight.
1: So were you abusing drugs and alcohol and stuff like that? Alcohol. Yeah, yeah. and a lot of it, like, were you working at this time or just- I, ram- I was working in like going around okay so you're waitressing and bartending yeah. and stuff yeah. and that probably wasn't the right place for you I'd assume
0: no it, it was perfect for my frame of mind it was a job that I could go to make some good money and just party all night
1: and then do, go back and do it all over again it all
0: over again yes
1: when you came to the realization with this about your mother and stuff like that and really started doing your research did is that when your life changed sort of thing like is that when it started turning the tides start turning
0: what a couple of things led up to how my life started changing and it was and it actually started happening before i even knew what was wrong with my mom it's something just snapped in me and what led to that snap within me was i went through a really bad breakup and the this person i was dating who was just as equally self-destructive as i was uh, the only difference he had was he came from a very wealthy family. So him and I were great on the self-destructive path. We, I mean, we partied a lot, we traveled a lot, had a great time together again, from a, not a very good, um, path in life. And one day he just broke up with me out of the blue and never heard from him again, never understood why. And it was finally a wake up call for me because my dating pattern had been so similar with the people that I was dating. And I just woke up one day and I said to myself, you know what, I don't want to live like this anymore. I want to settle down and I want to have a family. I really got to get my life together. And I just started reading a lot. I just started really spending time on my own for the first time in my life. I was always in a relationship. I always, That was something that
1: yeah, you never took care of yourself and started loved yourself first before you could love someone else
0: yeah and i just and for the first time in my life i just started wishing for more and i think a lot of us don't wish because we're so scared of being disappointed but it sounds weird but every night i would go to bed and i would just wish for a better life and wish for a family
1: Almost like making positive affirmations, you know, and, that, and you got to do that in today's age. You know, I do the same thing as well. Just make those positive affirmations. You know, I'm grateful. Talk about what, what you're grateful for. You know, I have a couple of people that I text back and forth with. We tell each other every morning what we're grateful for. You know, three things. We've started this trend and just keep it going. So
0: that's amazing.
1: Yeah yeah so positive now. affirmations yeah exactly you know you always hear about the negative the negative you know i don't want to hear about the negative 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 all the time surround yourself with positive people and the people you want to be like and that's how you become it doesn't even have to be successful but you become a better person i find
0: yeah and you feel more comfortable in your own skin and i think that's what happened to me for the first time in my life so I would start writing things down, writing lists. That was my way of coping that summer. So that breakup happened in May and I ended up meeting my husband in October of that year.
1: So what year is this?
0: This would have been 2010. Okay. Yeah. Way to date me. <laughs> um, but the list and the lists were not anything complicated. It was a list of who am I, who do I want to be? How do my friends describe me? And what do I wish, And that was it. And I would just write it down every night because I find that we're so much easier on other people. And so the the key one was how do friends describe me? And it it started making me think, how do other people perceive me? I'm my own worst enemy. But if if I start realizing that people are around me because there is good in me and start focusing on that, then that started changing my thought pattern. And then from there, I started thinking about who do I want to spend the rest of my life with? And so again, I would write lists and it, again, sort of happened.
1: describing the guy you really want to be with sort of thing.
0: Yeah. And I, like I, and it, it, it's, it's honestly such a crazy story because like I said, that breakup happened in May. I met my husband, Gavin, in October. The other funny thing that happened in my life was in my early twenties, I was told I may never have kids because I had endometriosis. And so I gave up on that dream remember these dates I met Gavin in October, 2010 in October, 2011, my son was born.
1: (laughs) That's crazy. That's amazing. And it was like
0: in one year, my entire life changed. And the only thing that I can tangibly look at as what changed with me was my thought process.
1: That's amazing, and maybe that helped you conceive, who knows, just just being more, less stressful, you know? Because my daughter, the same thing, she, my ex there too, her mother w- wasn't supposed to have, because she had endometriosis, or however you say that <laughs> as well, but and then here she is six, you know, six years old now, it's beautiful. So can you help us understand what it's like living with, like dealing with your mom's condition and stuff like that?
0: So I can explain to you, uh, how about I uh, paint a picture Because I think that's the easiest way. Um, And I can talk about the events that led up to me finally saying goodbye. And ironically, it was the better my life got, the worse my relationship got. Because she liked me being a mess. She
1: liked me. She hated seeing you being successful.
0: Exactly. And she also liked to use me as a form of sympathy to her husband or to other people. Like, oh, that Jenny's such a mess. What am I going to do with her? So when my life started getting better, our relationship just got so bad and it was almost like she was trying to sabotage my successes. So she tried to make me doubt being in a relationship with Gavin and she tried to remind me of some of my shortcomings very often. And so like just some examples, when it comes to narcissists, they hate events not about them. To them, they always need to be the center of attention and they need to be treated as Uh, almost that you need to be thankful for their presence. In, In their world, it's literally their world. So as my life started getting better and I started having events like baby showers or the day I got married or the day my daughter was born is when her true colors really came out. And even as I tell these stories, people are in shock because they just don't make sense. Normally the mother of a daughter going through all these things are right beside her cheering her on
1: yeah like and grateful and happy and you know enjoying these moments in life
0: no not my mom so as an example so there was four key events where she really showed her true colors and again it's complicated so i'll make it as short as possible but the first one was my baby shower for my son so during this time when i was pregnant obviously it wasn't expected All all of a sudden, I had an instant family. Me and my husband were looking for our first house together. We weren't married at the time. um, And we were just trying to get our lives in order. So it was very stressful. And I was very sick throughout my entire pregnancy with my son. My mom, at every moment, would try to plant seeds of doubt about why I shouldn't get together with my husband, plant seeds of doubt about uh, my endometriosis. Uh, The list goes on and on. And so when it came to planning the baby shower she said that she would plan it for me, okay? But then the invitation would be followed with, we can have it at my house, but I don't want Gavin's family in my house. I also don't want your dad's family in my house or your friends. So I I say to her, so then who's left, your sister? Yeah, but it's my house, so I make the rules. I'm like, then why are you throwing a baby shower? I, I don't, like, it was just very weird.
1: And, yeah, and it was also, that's absurd.
0: Oh, it gets worse. That's nothing. <laughs> um, the other funny thing is because I was so sick and a lot of my friends um, are men that I didn't even want a baby shower. I hadn't seen a lot of my friends in a while because I was sick all the time. I just wanted to have a low-key barbecue. I work at a toy company. I did not need a registry. I did not need all <laughs> the, the, the typical events that go into baby showers. I just wanted to a low-key barbecue and see my friends. I hadn't seen anyone for a while. Well, me telling her that, it would—it's it, her reaction was almost the equivalent of, I wanted to bomb your house. Like it was that, that's how exaggerated her reactions would
1: be. That was, it was like a catastrophic event almost to her.
0: Exactly. And so there's just so much arguing back and forth that by the end of it, I ended up just renting a hall down the street from her house so it wouldn't be too far. Gave her the baby shower she wanted without her having to do anything, touch anything. I had to do it all to make her happy. And the other funny thing, too, was she said to me, I'm going to buy your crib. I'm going to buy your dresser and all your furniture. So don't do any of that. And then when it came to the time where my son was about to be born, she's like, I'm not buying you that. You make too much money. My wedding was another chaotic event. Um, She decided to tell me two weeks prior that she wasn't going because I don't visit her enough. To, and at the time, I wasn't visiting her a lot, but the reason being
1: is... You, you're you distancing yourself from her probably just because of all these events leading up to that point. Well,
0: see, that's a funny thing. Because, because we're trained in our brains that they're the mom, they're right. At this time, I wasn't. I actually wasn't distancing myself from her because at the end of the day, she was still my mom. The reason I wasn't going over is my son, um, he has anaphylaxis to peanuts. And my mom would not believe this allergy and did not believe this allergy. She thought it was-
1: It didn't exist to her?
0: It didn't exist. She thought it was another way to make the world revolve around me and that I was asking for attention. I wouldn't bring him around because around the same time that we found out about his allergies, she started feeding the squirrels whole peanuts. And so you would go over to her house and there'd be peanuts all over her front lawn. There'd be big bags of peanuts inside her house. And I just didn't feel like it was a safe environment for my son. And I would tell her this all the time, but she would never understand the allergy and she would use it as a way of making me feel like I'm exaggerating for attention. So we just stopped going over and kept the invite the invitation open that she can come over to our house at any time she wants, which she didn't do because she was mad at me for not going over. Like I said, with, with a lot of stories of my mom, there's a lot of stories within stories. So bear with me. Um, so going back to the wedding two weeks prior to, she sends my stepdad over to my house to tell me he's not, they're not coming to the wedding. And he was, um, originally planned to walk me down the aisle And so at that point, I snapped and I just, I said, you know what? Who else is left in your life? Do you realize that you guys have alienated every single person in your life? Now you're alienating me, one of the last people that are still around. When are you going to realize that everybody can't be wrong? And I guess I finally got through to him and he went back to my mom. They came over. We had this big talk. She again acted like she was the victim, that she didn't do anything wrong, but they were coming. Then leading up to the the wedding, I get a phone call and it's from my stepdad. And he's saying to me, he goes, Jen, is it appropriate for your mother to be wearing a white gown that looks like a wedding dress? And so I I handled this conversation very delicately because I did want them at my wedding. So, and I knew exactly, it was almost like I viewed this conversation as a trap.
1: She she was trying to ruin the day for you really. Yeah.
0: She was. Um, And so I just, I, I lightly responded saying, well, it might be a bit odd since I will be wearing a wedding dress. Like, is there designs on it? Could you, like, there's no, nothing wrong with her wearing white, but if you think it looks like a wedding dress, then chances are it's probably not a good idea. Um, and she ended up come to the wedding. She wore a white dress, but it had designs on it, so it was okay. Um, but again, she tried to ruin the wedding as well. She ended up telling everyone at the wedding that she paid for my wedding, where she didn't. she She gave a gift in um, full transparency. it was a thousand dollars, which is which was so appreciated. But just to go around and try to tarnish the day by telling everyone she paid for it, followed by, and see the way Jenny treats me.
1: So that, was that the final straw then? No?
0: No. I'm getting, I'm getting close. It was my daughter's, it was leading up to my daughter's birth. So my daughter is six years old. So my daughter was born um, a year after my wedding. And again, the weird behavior was still going on. It was very consistent. But anytime something really good happened is when it would get very amplified. And so when my daughter was born, we knew that she was going to be a scheduled C-section, which means you're in the hospital for two nights. And we had to find a babysitter for my son. My mom, for some reason, didn't want us to find a babysitter. And so my brother originally and his wife was going to watch my son. And my mom would call him daily saying, are you sure you want to watch Jensen? Like he's so sick and he has allergies and you don't want to take on that responsibility. And she was literally trying to scare him.
1: Yeah. Just manipulate them.
0: Yeah. And it was just such a, I mean, you don't want to have to worry about these things when you're going in to have a baby. So we ended up getting my neighbor to watch my son one night that we were close to. And then again, she was trashing that neighbor, like almost trying to talk us out of, well, why is someone that's not family watching your son? They ended up watching my son. I mean, my son one night, my brother ended up watching my son the second night. But then the second night, my mom kept trying to make plans with his wife. And his wife was <laughs> is not used to this behavior at all. And of course, she was trying to impress my mom. It's her mother-in-law and trying to play nice. And she just kept pressuring her to make plans to not see me in the hospital. She really wanted to go shopping on the day my daughter was born. No matter what, they had to go shopping. But then she would guilt my sister-in-law to go shopping and then call me and be like, I don't know what's wrong with Sarah, but she has to go shopping the day your daughter's born. And (laughs) so they ended up going shopping the day my daughter was born. It was probably a blessing in disguise because I didn't have to deal with my mom, um, on my daughter's birth, um, date. And, but then when she came to the hospital, she's still talking about shopping and how bad my sister-in-law is for making her go and she held my daughter in her arms and she said, oh, thank God, there's a girl. Boys are so bad. That just really hit me because I was like, okay, does that have...
1: How did that make you feel?
0: Oh, a pit in my stomach. You know when you feel scared and you just kind of freeze? I kind of had that pit and I just started thinking about my son, who's the sweetest boy in the world. He has a nick- His nickname is Walking Heart. Like, This is what I mean by he's such a good kid. And I was just thinking to myself, oh, my God, if he stays in her life, what is she going to do with him? Fast forward four weeks, and this is when things finally get to the end of me saying goodbye, is uh, my uncle ended up passing away and we were at a funeral and she actually attended. In the past, she would never attend any sort of event that, again, didn't have to do with her. And at this event, I saw signs. So they, they call it narcissistic rage. And you could always see signs reading up to an explosion that's coming. And I saw these signs. They're almost like plants. like. And maybe I was very sensitive to it. But I saw her that whenever my stepdad was looking at me, she'd be looking at my daughter longingly. Like, oh, Jenny's keeping her, her daughter away from me, which I wasn't. And she was just, you could tell she was just trying to get sympathy. And we're at a, like, we're at a funeral. Like it's. Completely inappropriate. So, what ended up happening at this funeral was she ended up pulling my my husband aside to tell him what a terrible person I was, and it was really interesting because she was telling him how I never treat her well on Mother's Day, I never plan anything for her, and this Mother's Day was no different. To explain this Mother's Day, Mother's Day is usually what, around May 10th, 12th?
1: Yeah, the beginning of May, the first couple of weeks.
0: Around there. So my husband's birthday is at the beginning of May, and he has a twin brother. And she knew that my husband had plans with his twin brother to celebrate, and she absolutely had to celebrate Mother's Day on that day. Wow. And I said no, because why? It, there, there's just no reason
1: there's no reason to celebrate early or late or whatever (laughs) no
0: no but she knew he had plans and so again she was trying to create trouble so instead of explaining to my husband the full story she just pulled him aside to explain to him why i'm such a terrible daughter don't do anything for mother's day when gavin was telling me about that afterwards i was like you know what i'm done it was it seems small in relation to a lot of the stories i've told
1: Lots of the things, like all those events leading up to it, you're like, that's the final straw. You you know, how much more can you really put up with?
0: And it's also, I was just seeing signs towards my kids. And I think, I think me having kids is a lot of what gave me the strength to finally say, I'm done. Like, I, I feel like I've done all I can. I've tried to, I've tried it at all angles. I just can't do it anymore.
1: So would you say your biggest obstacle you've had to overcome was saying goodbye to your mother? Yeah. 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 And why is that?
0: Because no matter the treatment, at the end of the day, she's still my mom. And I mean, and me being a mom and especially then being a a relatively new mom, you want your mom. You want to be able to talk to her.
1: So did you have to go about and like change phone numbers and stuff like that and ask her not to come over to your house anymore? Like, how did that go?
0: (laughs) No, no. All I had to say to her was we can't have a relationship unless me and you go to family counseling
1: and she's not willing to do it
0: never heard from her again
1: that's pretty simple though it's 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 a simple thing you know however many four to seven eight sessions whatever it would take or whatever you know maybe you could hash these things out but it doesn't seem like she wants to from what you're saying
0: as a narcissist they actually are not capable of admitting that they're wrong and so at the time i didn't realize that that's the reason why she would never, but I do remember growing up and she was very judgmental as to anyone seeing professional help and she never encouraged it. She would always kind of mock it. But at that point, I had nothing left. And so I I actually kept it open-ended and said, listen, if you ever change your mind and you want to go to counseling with me, let's do it.
1: And you haven't heard a peep from her since?
0: No. Now, she lies to people. She tells people that I changed my phone number, which I haven't. I've had the same phone number since the early 2000s. Um, and that's her story is again, I'm, I'm the bad person that I cut her off and I changed my number and she can't reach me, which is a lot of yes.
1: So if you could turn back time and tell your 18 year old self something, what would it be?
0: You know what it would be? I think the biggest thing is, is that we encourage people to eliminate toxic people out of your life. We encourage it. Anytime there's a toxic friend or a toxic boyfriend, We say, you know what, you don't need that in your life. Remove yourself. If I could go back to my 18-year-old self, I would say to myself, you know what, it's okay just because she's my mom does not make her right and it does not define me. I would also honestly educate myself on narcissism. At that time, around 18 years old, I thought she had a form of Munchausen's, but like a verbal sense. But that that would honestly be the biggest thing is that her opinion does not define me and that it's okay to not have toxic people.
1: So what is your best tip for making the world a better place in today's world like with everything going on?
0: Read, educate yourself. Remember that no matter what, you're in control of your life, no matter what what life throws your way, there's always elements of it that are in your control. So, in my sense, the things that were in my control was I had a chance. I did go down a bad path where I believed everything my mom said and I used that as an excuse to stop trying. As soon as I realized that I'm worth more and that I should continue to try is when my life started changing. The other thing is, is to really just talk about your problems. So one of the most amazing things happened when I published this book is that by me sharing my stories, other people shared theirs. And these are people that I've known for years that I thought I knew inside out. All of us, we tend to hide our darker stories or our bad experiences because we feel like there's shame associated with it, or we don't want to burden someone else with how we're feeling. If everyone just shared exactly how they're feeling, I mean, it just makes the world such a better place for everyone individually.
1: That's so true. Like I, I, even myself, I have troubles sharing things too that I've dealt with in my past. But in order to move past them, I had to share them with others. You know, I haven't shared it with everyone, but I openly share lots now. You know, and over time, I share more and more, and it's great just to get that stuff off your chest or your back. Just to, and it helps you heal too.
0: It absolutely does. And and honestly, when I when the book first came out, I mean, I would be lying to say I was one hundred percent comfortable with it being published. I always went from being a very private person and I went through life similar to what I just described that I have a perfect life. Everything's great. There's always a smile on my face. Everything's good. So I went from that to here's my life story. (laughs) There's so many of you that have no idea what I've been through. So I went from one extreme to the other. And so I did have a lot of anxiety. There were some days worse than other with the book coming out.
1: How would you deal with that anxiety, Jen?
0: Feedback. Feedback helped me. So these people that were reading my story, acknowledging what I've been through, but then sharing their own stories. And a lot of the stories were worse than anything I had experienced, but it just showed me that my, me publishing this is, it's making a difference and it is helping people.
1: That's awesome. And it, and, it, and it's good to know you're not alone either.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's a big one.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, what what would you um say you've done to cope in a positive way like through all this and stuff like that? Obviously, one's writing the book and telling people your story and stuff like that. Do you have anything else that you cope with or how to cope with in a positive way?
0: Um, well, honestly, I'm I'm a busy mama too. I would love to take care of myself more than I already do, but I mean, it's time is Brushes.
1: Yeah, there's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah,
0: so. <laughs> um, but the biggest things that I've learned going through this process of writing a book is that I'm a lot more self-aware. Um, before, my immediate instinct was to always just cover up and push through. Now I'm acknowledging a lot of the damage that has been done.
1: So do you write down these thoughts sometimes? I do or? write it
0: down. I've also created kind of some some practices that I put into place when I feel not right. Like So as an example... In the book, I talk about the check-in method and it's such a simple method, but a lot of us don't use it enough. And so with my upbringing, I have a lot of triggers and it took me a while to realize that I had triggers. And so it's almost like, even though I said goodbye to my mom so many years ago, sometimes I could still hear her voice in my head. And so it could be little things where I feel dismissed. Someone's not taking me seriously. I I was always raised to feel very small and not to feel too much. I couldn't be too happy or too sad or too anything. I had to be small and almost invisible. So that's one of my triggers to this day. So using the check-in method, all it is, is that anytime I feel too anything, so too heated, too happy, too sad, I just pause for two minutes and assess that emotion. It's just me being self-aware of my emotions for the first time. And a lot of us don't kind of check in on ourselves for this. So sometimes I'm at work and I remember years ago, my boss said to me, Jen, don't you realize that everyone's on your side? And I'm sitting there going, no, what? But that's, that's where a check-in method would kind of come into play thinking, okay, why do I feel like people aren't on my side? Is it in my head? Is it based on my upbringing or is it in relation to the situation? And so just starting that a couple of years ago, it, it's just really helped keep me grounded, keep my emotions in check to make sure that my, the way I'm reacting is in reflection to the situation.
1: Before we end it off here, could you tell people where they can find your book? And uh, you have an Instagram as well for your book. So sure. could you tell them about your Instagram handle I'm or your Instagram doing. page?
0: And um, and as I mentioned, me being a first-time writer, I would love to share the story how it came about because it's such a great story.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That? Yeah. Okay. Please share away.
0: Going through all of this, I always knew that I wanted to help people but had no idea how to go about it. And really randomly... Back in the mid two thousands I was working as a sales rep and someone ended up stopping me while I was on my route and randomly asked me to be a part of infomercials. (laughs) Um, he had a media company, he had like a bunch of different arms within his company. And I guess the reaction on my face was kind of like what he's like, listen, take my card, research me, let's say I'm legit. If you're interested, let's talk. So research him seemed legit. Went and met with him, had a couple friends, two tables down because you can never be too safe. And uh, we started talking about this infomercial venture. And then it was just one of those weird occurrences where I ended up sharing some of my life stories with him, someone I had never met prior to. At that time, I was doing a really good acting job about how I had my life together. And he told me of a project he was working on, and it was a book series called Women in Heels. And so what this book series was about, it was about females who have had diverse upbringings, had to overcome challenges, but are a success today. And it was supposed to be like a really empowering book to help um, encourage women to push through whatever it is that they're going through. So he asked me to write a chapter. I did write a chapter anonymously. At the time, I was still trying to make things work with my mom. She just lost it um
1: and you even had told her about this too eh? i
0: did i did um and i and to be honest with you at that time i felt like i was a bit of a fraud because i was not in a good headspace at all so with my mom exploding my headspace i backed out of the book at last minute and never heard from this person again this is leading to uh early 2019 now as to how the book came about So early, early last year, I just started thinking to myself, you know, I wish I could be doing more. I wish I could be helping people, um, especially the young girls who could be going through stuff like this. Because the more I read, the more I realize that narcissistic personality disorder is a lot more uh, prevalent. than Common
1: with mother daughter than mother son.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I do talk about the differences in the book. So early 2019, I just started listening to podcasts, started listening to audiobooks, started listening to a lot of um, material where they talk about life-changing situations, put people on a completely different course in life. And there were some amazing inspirational stories in this. But the one that really resonated to me was called Whispers. And what this um, audiobook was discussing, that throughout your life, you have whispers in your life that help guide you as to what path you're supposed to be on. So if you're not ready to be on that path, they might be very quiet. You might not even notice and keep moving on. If you are in a place where you're ready, they're very loud and they're very in your plate. It's in in your face where you can't ignore them. So I started thinking about this whisper theory and going, wow, I wonder if back in the mid 2000s when I was asked to write that book, I wonder if that was a whisper.
1: That was your calling, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and that was it. Went to bed, woke up the next morning, and I look at my phone when I wake up, and I get a LinkedIn message. It's this person's birthday.
1: The same, the same gentleman that you had talked about the infomercials with and stuff. Yes,
0: and his name's Sanjay Berman. He's president, and CEO of Berman Books. So I'm reading this, going, "Oh my God, is this a whisper?" I was so freaked out. I was just kind of staring at my phone, going, "What do I do? What do I do?" <laughs> So I was like, okay, calm down, check-in method, Um, and then I was like, you know what, I'll just wish him happy birthday. There's no harm in that. Sent him happy birthday, he got back right back to me and said, Jen, how are you? I've been thinking about you, wondering what you're up to, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) So I'm reading this going, okay, that's really weird, because I haven't talked to him in 15 years. Why? Oh, sure. So we just started talking. And I happened to be going downtown um, for a work event, and that's where his office is. So I was like, hey, listen, I'd love to meet up with you. Let's meet up an hour before this event. We'd love to hear what projects you have in the go. Um, See if there's anything that might match up. And he's like, yeah, absolutely. Meet me here. Done. Bringing us to that day. So I'm driving downtown now, and I start getting in my head going, why is he giving me a meeting? He hasn't heard from me in all these years. Back then, I was the punk kid that pulled out of his book at last minute. I'm assuming I caused a bit of chaos with the pagination and whatever it is going into publishing a book. And so they started getting really freaked out. So I'm like, nope, I'm doing this. I'm still going to go meet him. Let's just do this. So I go and I I meet him. Uh, He gives me a big hug. And I was like, I'm sure you're wondering why you've heard from me after all these years. And he goes, no. He goes, I just saw you a couple months ago at this event. I knew I'd be hearing from you eventually. So he gave me the he gave me the meeting because he thought I was someone else.
1: <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> that's awesome! And then here you are today. Fast forward another year later, and you I'm have your first book, book published. So you want
0: to talk whispers and how weirdly I got this opportunity, it's, it's just such a amazing story about how everything happens for a reason. So
1: for sure. And that's definitely happens for a reason, happened for a reason. And here you are today with your first book, like I'd already said there. Yeah. Finding happiness. Finding it's happiness. called guys. I have,
0: a, I have a website. It's, it's findinghappinessbook.ca. Um, I have an Instagram account. It's, um, similar finding underscore happiness underscore book. Um, And you can go on there for information. We also just released into retail last week. So the book's being sold at um, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, as well as Target.
1: Okay. It's in Target in the States then, since we don't have Target up here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, and then uh, before we go, can you give the audience three positive things to help with their mental health every day?
0: Three positive things. Um, Jot your feelings down. As much as much as you can, sometimes it seems like a bit of a pain in the ass, but it's really good to draw feelings down to see what sort of patterns are accumulating to share your stories. They share how you're feeling with people because chances are they're feeling similar or have different stories and you could help each other. Um, And lastly, just just try to use the check in method. We at all times we get emotional and especially during these times. Um, emotions seem to be heightened so if you just try to take a pause whenever you have a strong feeling and just try to assess why you have that strong feeling it could really help out
1: there you go thank you very much for coming on the show today jen and i appreciate it a lot thanks for tuning into this week's episode new episode comes out every monday at 7 a.m on all streaming platforms and you can follow me on instagram at depth of dark side and on facebook at from the depths of darkness to the light of success have a great week folks